Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Welcome to another episode of Cybersecurity Amplified and Intensified with your host, Eric Taylor, myself, Shiva Maharaj, joined once again by Jonathan Scott with two new guests, Haseeb Awan and James. We don't know James's last name because it's top secret. So <laughs> that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Where do you guys want to start? Well, I, I, you know, I'm, you know, I guess we, you sent a, a Twitter message out and, uh, you were in, in your, one of your podcasts, you were speaking about, um, uh, you know, kind of getting into SIM card security and, and it kind of, you know, triggered me to, to say, Hey, let's involve a couple of these, these people that, uh, that I know, you know, some leaders in this industry that are doing some pretty amazing things. And, uh, and so that's kind of me kind of like forcing the podcast to happen. <laughs> Do you yes, know? let's forcing. We all did this willingly. Right. <laughs> so let's, let's give a little context. Cause I mean, let's just pretend like, you know, not everybody listens to everything. Sure, sure, sure. So, so okay. Jonathan was on our podcast a couple episodes ago and he was talking about Pegasus and the whole train wreck that that is. And even since that, we found out, you know, that Pegasus is actually being used on in the U S against, you know, uh, uh, the, the powers to be in the U.S., uh, the government, and maybe even Secret Service, or who knows how deep this thing really trolls down. But during that conversation, we were talking about data that was on the uh, SIM card that carriers are able to potentially hijack cell phone from. Um, and that's kind of what prompted this whole conversation. We really wanted to go down this rabbit hole a little bit, and we're not going to get and correct me if I'm wrong, we're not getting very, very technical on this one. If you're listening to this podcast and you want real, real technical stuff, you know, we may have to sanitize some stuff just for people not to get in trouble, but maybe that'd be a third episode that we would do. Um, or we can really go into some of that if you want that. You know, if you're seeing that, type into the chat, you know, deep dive or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of what prompted this. And, you know, we uh, that was nice enough to bring Copperhead, which is an operating system, of course. And we're going to ask him a little bit about that. You know, how exactly Copperhead is actually helping to try to protect some of the, the Android stuff. And um, we'll talk to Steve here. He is a cell phone carrier that is located down in California. So yeah, that's kind of where we, we're bringing this together and hopefully having a good discussion. So um, I guess... Jonathan, let, let's pick up there. I don't sure. want to talk Pegasus too much because you know, there's a lot of fluid information there, and I'm sure we could have another conversation. But um, right, I think I a good place to start would be you going into a little bit of detail about how SIM cards upload their XML package sure. to create mm -hmm. backdoors Excellent. into or by most carriers, if not all, except sure. for Ifani. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, um, so recently. I was uh, I was a speaker at Damcon uh, 2021, so it's a uh, it's a conference, a security conference, and I actually did a demonstration um, of what exactly what we we're talking about. Um, so, I, I the demo device was a Samsung Galaxy S8 Plus, and I believe it was running operating system uh, 9.0 or 10.0 somewhere around there. Um, but uh, but this vulnerability is is still current in um, 
in you know in the latest Android operating system on Samsungs, um, LGs, and 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 pretty much every other uh, Android out there. Um, and, and so, okay, I'll kind of back up a little bit. When you install a SIM card into a device, there's packets that uh, there's programs that are already installed on the SIM card itself. So SIM card actually has, you know, think about it as an operating system, but it's actually, uh, yeah, you can actually, you can write code for the SIM card and it's, uh, you know, written in Java and uh, it has like, say, PRL packages or um, whatever it may, whatever it may be that, that the carrier wants to install and, and have triggered, um, you know, on the device. So this is why whenever you put in a SIM card, it's say you, you have a, um, you have a an unlocked um, Samsung Galaxy Note, and you plug in a Verizon SIM card. Well, then when you open up your apps, you can see all the Verizon apps. But then you pop in an AT and T SIM card, and you're going to see all the AT and T apps, right? And it's and you don't have to actually be connected to um, to the internet for this because what's happening is there's this swapping, right? So this XML data is being swapped out. It's being being so it's already written in into the um into the operating system right these xml files are already already available inside of the core of android right so the o, so the oem which would be the, in this case samsung um original equipment manufacturer the oem uh has this deal with these these network carriers and so their their packet they're essentially they're they're commented out let's just say that until that trigger to say the sim card and then the the phone um, meet each other. Then these, you know, carrier specific packages become enumerated. They become enabled. Now this is the issue, right? So every carrier has their own backdoor, and they call it diagnostics, right? They call it debugging. And so, for example, the demonstration that I did was on an AT and T device, and um, and previous so this was for the damcon uh, conference when i well, this and you can see clearly that uh, uh in the in the demonstration the at&t logo comes up and so what happens is i'm actually able to um to enable android debug bridge without authentication um, it doesn't matter if there's a lock on the device it doesn't matter if there's a, a passcode on the device and I also tweeted out, uh, you know, the the communications with Samsung that they acknowledge this vulnerability is, exists, and they say that they fixed it, which they have not. And so, you know, these things are so AT and T, Verizon, Sprint slash T Mobile, right? They're combined now. Um, let's just take these American carriers for example. This backdoor allows them to silently be in your device without you ever knowing. All right. And so this is exactly how, you know, spyware can be spread. This is exactly how malware can be spread. Uh, and because if people actually know what these vulnerabilities are, uh, then they can exploit them. Got that was it for you. The whole purpose. Yeah. Go ahead, Eric. Are these cards encrypted at all? So like if I worked at a Sprint store or T-Mobile or whatever, and I had a little bit of a fart of it of intelligence, I could potentially just start is there a way of preventing someone from just adding a repo to be installed on a brand new phone that's get that SIM card? Is there any encryption at all? Yeah. So there's no, like the, there's no security on these, on these, on these cards at all. 
like at all. I mean, you can you can get a general SIM card reader, uh, plug it in, and and read the data on them. Um, you know, there's you know there's a lot of utilities that that you can actually use. Um, yeah, unfortunately, so so like uh, a SIM trace is a is a uh, it, it it's an open source um, operating system that you can use to actually uh, well look at the data on the SIM cards, you know, as, as easy as I can say it, um, and, and write on it as well. Something simple, like less than $10, right? But that's the problem too, right? Is is it most people are not looking at this. They're not, they don't, they don't care to think about the SIM card and, and how it affects the, the operating system and the device itself. Yeah, because I mean, until you and I talked, I mean, I knew there was some stuff always embedded in there, right? Because you know, like you were saying, you know, if you put a SIM card in, it'll, nine times out of 10, it'll show the carrier, you know, on the boot up screen. So I knew there was some coding there, but I didn't really think you could really do a whole lot. I figure it was just a, um, an encryption key or an identifying key, a combination of both that, that lets me get onto a carrier network. Once I'm registered, I didn't really think you could really do all that with these SIM cards. Right. Yeah. So in, 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 uh, one of the, uh, one of the, I guess, uh, teasers that I put out for the DamCon conference, uh, I showed a video of um, when I plugged in a SIM card. I, in this video on Twitter, it was a, a Sprint SIM card. I put it into this exact same phone that I used it in the conference, and you could see a blue screen with a SIM card on it. And it was these dots were were you know animated, and it was it, it you know showing that this information was being loaded from the sim card onto the device so it's a blue screen and most people have never seen this screen before ever right it's a blue screen with a sim card and it's literally loading the sim card data it's and and this and, and when i first saw this years ago i was like what is this what's what why is it then i ever i change out these sim cards this actually comes up um super super interesting and uh, and then of course after reverse engineering the um, the firmware, you can actually see the different carriers and you can see their different XML packages that are built into the operating system uh, for the for Samsung uh, in this particular case. And it just kind of uncomments it. And then now you have this, you know, backdoor specific to that network. Now, and is this limited to Android or does this occur with iPhone, excuse me, Apple iPhones as well? This does happen with Apple iPhones as well. And it's a whole nother level, the whole, whole different level with, with iPhones. Um, but the P list data is it's, it's pretty similar. So P lists and, and XML, uh, they almost pretty much go hand in hand. Right. But yes, exactly. The, it, it is almost exactly the same with these, with these carriers. It, so this is almost backdoor by design. It is, oh. it is. And, and, and the communications that I have even recently with LG, they said, because I said, Hey, uh, can, we need to stop this this you know backdoor because people can inject spyware with it and they said it's not that easy because all of us uh, we have a lot of services that are using these <laughs> backdoors and and all these communications are out in the open right now like on my twitter feed i mean it, it, i mean it's just unreal you know so yeah so does this problem get more and amplified for these third party carriers like um, cricket. these, uh, yeah, I like cricket and things of that nature. So is it more a possible issue because they're just piggybacking across multiple networks 
so, so let's just take cricket for example is running off at&t right and so they're going to have the same code that's in an at&t sim card they're going to have that same uh they have that same xml data that's triggered except the uh mcc and the mnc which is the mobile network code those are going to be pretty similar a little well that's going to be different uh it's going to say basically say cricket versus at&t it's an mvno is what it's called uh it's just like a subset of a carrier but it's all the same i mean if you're owned if cricket is owned by at&t it's gonna it's the same um same thing uh same, same backdoors yeah exactly it's built into the it's infrastructure yeah. technology right uh as a quick side note here a couple of years ago there's a nice public war of words between apple and the fbi to unlock an iphone sounds like all that was just a puppet show when they could have used these back doors to get into the device. The SIM card was off though, right? It was yeah. like an on, that's an off device. They probably removed the SIM card. Yeah. Um, let's just say that I worked on a case for some agency and, and for forensics. So they probably weren't able to open it up. And Sorry about that, James. <laughs> Looks like we lost you for a minute there. You want to try to reset doing your thing? Yeah, say it again, James. <laughs> You cut out there, James. Someone didn't like what you were saying, so they temporarily halted your internet. Uh, I don't remember. I was just thinking, uh, I think it was about the iPhone San Bernardino case, right? Yes, that's the okay. one I was referring to. Okay, yeah. Um, well, the phone was turned off, so and it was probably put in airplane mode, so it probably couldn't access the SIM. And like device level forensics is generally a little bit uh, different than SIM, SIM lawful interception and stuff like that. It's amazing now that iPhones, when you put them into airplane mode, doesn't do the same thing that happened for that case, doesn't it? No, it's, it is amazing. It's, it's uh, funny because it's a, a placebo of, off button. A lot of times they take the SIM card out during these forensics exams so that, they, so that that network is not pulled in, which is like, don't do that. Stop doing that, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, it's but it's a Faraday bag, right? And then that way the phone won't auto wipe from like a MDM or something. Yeah, yeah. So they they try to cut off every communications, but they don't realize actually what they're doing in those in those cases. It's actually kind of removing that back door that allows them to be in. Um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting because I mean, on a side note, there you know, I've talked about going through SANS classes here, just advancing my IR, and we I've got a class in March, I think, for advanced Android and iOS forensic so i'm gonna be interested to see where that class really holds after this conversation jonathan will be testing you three weeks after <laughs> <That'd be awesome. laughs> so haseeb uh yes jonathan mentioned that he could not hack your sim why not well <laughs> you want to know the recipe or you want to know why? <laughs> I, I think if you gave the recipe, your competitors would have it. Uh, you know, <laughs> High-level overview. What makes you guys different? Uh, number one, our business model. Uh, like a lot of these things can be prevented. But technically, uh, I don't blame AT&T or any major carrier for that, right? The cost of telecom is rising. If you look at EBT, it's very difficult to make money. The easiest way is to make money is by selling you data. And frankly, 99% of people are okay with it. They may say, I don't hate my being sold, but if you give them an uh, iPhone, but I'll need your DNA report, they will give it to them. 
so I believe that um, I don't blame the company as much because the cost of putting those checks in place is very, very expensive. So uh, it's like putting it in convenience. Like I'll give you a simple example. At Ifani, if something gets lost, it takes 24 to 48 hours to recover it. Uh, cell phone. If you're a regular person who lost his phone, you want it within two minutes. And you'll make a deal out of it. So FTC has to cover. Second thing is when AT&T have to cater or big telcos have to cater to any company, they have to look at not just the iPhone, they have to look at if there's a 3G phone on the there, is there IoT device, is there someone running on, like, you know, it's like you tell the internet not to connect with anyone using Windows 98. So they have to reduce their encryption and security to the lowest level because they're dealing with a lot of mass market. So that's the reason I don't blame either of those companies for what they do. Secondly, we all operate under the law of America. So if someone comes to you and gets a subpoena, you have to turn over the data. They just make it much simpler because they get like tens and tens of thousands of requests per day. So why make your job difficult and just turn over the data? So selling data, data is actually industry, it's the massive industry and that's what they are in. So they're not in telecom business. So that's the first thing that we have to realize about these companies. Every company is a surveillance company. Facebook, Instagram, uh, you know, Twitter, every, everyone. Even StreamYard and every company is a surveillance company. They use data and they sell the data. That's how they make money. Now, what we do is we change the business model. We say there are two people who will use it, who will buy your data. It's either the criminal or so-called criminals or you. So we give an option to the customer that why don't you pay for the data so we don't have to do for it. And you'll be surprised at how many people still compare you to, oh, why are you like $30 per month and something? Because yes, this is, this is what you signed up for. So what we have done is we applied a lot of encryption and a lot of uh, things on, on the network side. So if you take our SIM card, there's nothing on the SIM card. It's just basically a placeholder. Um, like I said, with the, and what we have done is we have attached a lot of pseudo uh, properties to the SIM card. So even if you get one hash, you would not be able to encrypt second hash. And in a lot of cases, in the majority of the cases, even Ifani cannot do that. So even we're building a system where if we get some information, we cannot even encrypt it because we don't have access to that. Now, uh, it's just purely, we haven't done any, I would say rocket science and I don't want to be, uh, we just pretty much took encryption protocols that are available, like FIPS 142, 35, and all those kinds of uh, things that were already available. And we just put it applied on SIM card, which were not done before. And the reason why it's not done before is because it's complex, it's expensive, it's not a mass market. What, who is your target demographic? Uh, so we work with CEOs of C-level executives of major companies, hedge fund lawyers, um, a lot of accountants, celebrities. Um, Ninety percent of customers have crypto focused because that was the major problem. Yeah. And we are not a mass market, and we tell this pretty much up. We only have, literally have one plan. <laughs> it's either how much is that plan? Uh, it's hundred dollars per month. Why can't it be thirty? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but okay. 
uh, we do have another offering which we call black seal protection and we just give it to uh, which is which is expensive but we don't give it to like public right now it's like kind of invite only okay. don't have a copy or copy of it but we just give it to anyone we say take it and hack it there's no disclosure required a lot of companies will ask you to sign up okay you can do this you can also take the card do whatever you want to do so what would ifani be able to respond to in a subpoena we give whatever data we have which it would be almost nothing well i mean but that's right right, right? <laughs> sorry that almost is still something so what type sure. of data you know signal will say we can tell you the last time the phone connected to this to the system that, we can tell yeah, you yeah we can do that we did possibly what, look what would be in a response from ifani to a subpoena Well, depend. So, subpoena have specific requirements, or what requirement are they? But I, I know for? the legal side. Don't worry about that. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's get away from the buzzwords and the yeah. questions. Like, yeah, what data is available to you that you we can, can tell you where the SIM card was shipped? Okay, we can possibly tell the call records, which were made. Why possibly? You know. Sorry. Why possibly? Is that because of the billing the, engine? The billing engine, because you can dispute tomorrow. I never made this call. Okay. We have to charge something. Uh, secondly, we can tell you total data you did. We cannot tell you what data flew through, but we can tell you this many gigabytes of data was consumed. Okay. Uh, we can tell you where this if the phone roamed on which towers. Here's an interesting question for you. Are you familiar with the program called Smarsh? No. James, Jonathan. No. It's oh, a stop. it's a text archiving solution that a lot of com- major enterprise companies use. to be able to archive all text messages going in and out of a device and i'm assuming Jonathan this probably plays into the backdoor by design of a sim card because it's done at the carrier level doesn't okay. work on iMessage but it works on traditional text messaging i'd be interested maybe if you can get back to me Hasib on that whether or not smarsh is compatible with your platform where it can pull the text messages and archive them yeah is this is the text messages from Fani left on the sim card no it's in the network but we don't have access to that specific portion because what we are doing is we are actually building like a telecom in a box solution where you are your own core so we don't have access to that core uh in a nutshell what happened is that uh we can we cannot access those messages so if someone comes to me and says subpoena what jonathan message to shiva i have no access to that data okay But yeah, if you can get back to me and let me know if you guys are compatible with Smarsh or not, that would be interesting. S M A R S H. Sure, I'll look into that. Yeah. It's so interesting. Is, yeah, go ahead. To, sorry. So is Afani just in California or are you like some of the other carriers where you piggyback off AT&T, Verizon and stuff like that? Like where Oh, uh, I know we are we are pretty much across America and actually now we offer roaming in 80 countries. So we are able to onboard countries from 80 countries. What's your underlying uh, network? Are you buying airtime from Sprint, uh, Verizon, or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So we work with multiple carriers in America. Pretty much every major carrier. There's something like uh, what Google's doing, I guess, with their. Ah, uh, so Google is different, you know. But yes, you can say that we have uh, similar. We work on some carriers that Google does not work with, and we have mixing, a very mixing and matching. I guess was the question. Yeah, yeah. So we work on the strongest network. So if you are any carrier, you are. anyone who has the strongest signal will connect to that in any country so with google if you land to italy you don't get the high speed internet we operate on the highest priority so if you land in italy you will basically get the fastest speed possible 
So are you, because you're not, because you are, you seemingly character, I'm sorry, carrier agnostic. Does that mean you're just using their cell tower as an access point? Yeah. So we call it RAN. So we, call, we use the RAN and we roam into, so we are a roaming part. Every carrier is a roaming partner for us. And if you use our phone, it will also show like roaming okay. in a lot of situations. Cool. So for a carrier, uh, like if you're talking about uh, Sprint, because Sprint doesn't exist, so I can talk about them easily. Um, Sprint, to Sprint is like an orange carrier or like someone from Italy is roaming into the network. And they just take all the traffic and just throw it off. Okay. I have a question. Um, does the funny SIM cards require the carrier packages? If they do. So we have a sponsor every character. That's a, that's a very, very, um, I would say depressing. That's a very touchy topic because for, for a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people don't know that, uh, there's something called app carrier packages, mm -hmm. uh, which means that you have to pay carrier specific amount of money per year. Yeah. For them to allow services to work. Yeah. So like Apple, it could be like $10 million per year in purchases. Uh, because by default, every Apple device should work if it's unlocked. That's the, like, you know, if you have an unlocked device, uh, it should work, but it doesn't work. You have to pay Apple to make it work. And so if Ani asked like for Sprint specifically, um, what a firing line we got here, eh? Just on a seat. Um, yeah. okay, you're I, I'll bring in it. I can't, I'm, I'm up against the wall, boys. No, but, uh, but, uh, so does that mean if do you have to include the sprint DM package for sprint to work? Uh, so we do have, we have, we have Apple package. That's their question. No, no, no. Uh, sprint DM. Uh, I don't know what sprint DM is. Diagnostic, diagnostic mode. So I can tell you, I can actually tell you about this one. Uh, so, all right. Um. So specifically what, what I was testing, I actually tested Sprint. That was one of the actual demos because I know exactly how Sprint works with their diagnostics. Um, and okay, when you insert, so those packages, so let's just say we have Sprint um, and we wanna use Sprint and then we wanna pop in the Afani SIM card. Um, if that SIM card is not talking to, uh, is not talking to the operating system, uh, like let's say, make sure like the, uh, the, the SIM card needs to vibe with the operating system that's on the, the, on the phone. Okay. In order to enable this full back door. Right. So this is one of the things like whenever I'm doing these testing, these SIM cards are, are, have to be in the devices. Okay. If I pop in an Afani SIM card with the packages that Sprint has already downloaded onto the device, this back door is not going to work. Okay, because it doesn't actually have there like this symbiotic relationship doesn't exist. Okay, and uh, and this is a very important thing. Even when I'm reporting these vulnerabilities, are you need to make sure that the SIM card is inserted into the device in order for this to work. Uh, hence, why we were talking about you know backdoors with forensics and things like that. Um, so that is one of the tests, and and I, it's I posted that on Twitter, and I actually said, look, I cannot do this with the Afani SIM card, uh, you know, inserted because that relationship does is not happening but to your point james yes it, i you know that dm uh you know diagnostics manager is is on the device but it it can't communicate uh properly well just can't communicate and from my research that i showed so, so you, you sorry go ahead Shiva. no no go ahead. 
Okay, so if if you have a Sprint SIM card, you put it in, it tries to load DM, you pull it out, put in a Fani SIM card, it can hop on the Sprint network without DM. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's very good. Yeah, yeah, because we don't uh, we operate separately, you know. Like I'm trying to be very, very cautious with my selection of word, but I'm just saying that <laughs> uh, I'm I'm in a very uh, it's a, it's a tough part, right? Yeah. Because you want to tell everything. Just saying, that that re- <laughs> that red box in the top left hand corner, it's just a facade. It's just so. Okay. Anyway, so what we do is I, I can tell you one thing that uh, we do have challenges with carriers and also challenges with um, cell phone providers because the lack of access that we get. Uh, like on a black field protection, which is right only, we still have challenges with uh, getting FaceTime and iMessage to work. Uh, and a lot of people don't like it. Why? They say, uh, because they say we use FaceTime. I said, why would you why use Why doesn't it work? Uh, because the way it works is, so MZ profile, you have to give Apple MZ profile. These are 50 MZ profiles that will run on your network and this is the payment against it. You know, the problem is that because every telecom operator is, is every person actually an individual operator kind of thing, uh, you cannot put them in one cluster and say these are all the same cards. So you cannot combine them. So you, it's, it's difficult uh, logistically that on one end you want to make them separately, but other end you want to cluster them in one. So that's the challenge that we may, and because we change MZ profiles on the go, so every SIM card may have like 10 profiles on the go, which keep on hopping between one, each other for, to prevent location tracking and MZ tracking and all those kinds of, uh, issue. Uh, and the problem is that when you hop so often, apples get confused in a way that, oh, which profile is this linked to? And they start creating problem for us. We should have a solution within two to three months, but it's, uh, it's a very touchy topic for us because how you want to do things, but at the same time, you don't want to give control as well. By extension, does that apply to their new hide my IP feature? Uh, on the Apple? Yeah. So it does, right? So we have our own, um, we have our own like IP tracking, uh, system. So effectively you can actually have your own APN and VPN on the SIM card. So you don't need to install a VPN on your phone. So if you are organization of 50 people or 100 people, you can effectively give everyone a SIM card and have your own tunnel that routes the traffic through your own tunnel. So you can block traffic, you can allow traffic uh, without installing a VPN client on your phone. Right, but this is now built into the iPhone just as a feature with iCloud, where if you're using Safari, mm -hmm. you're, you're essentially proxying through Apple's servers. Correct. So we just say, we will give you a separate server. That's just yours. So that doesn't depend on Apple or anyone. And Apple is notorious for it. Like the reason for that is they have done things, they have their own way of doing business. And even Samsung's of the world, they have their own way of doing business. So they, everyone want access. And because big, that's where the problem with the big carrier comes in, when they have to work with mass market, they have to give everything to everyone. And when they give it a long time intention on notorious, but at the same time, when you open it up for Samsung, why can't you open for LG? Why can't you open for Xiaomi? Why can't you open for like, you know, every other vendor in the world? Do you open for Huawei? Sorry? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Frankly, uh, uh, a lot of people will say that, but 
<laughs> I'm sure they every every everything in the world, every chip in the world have some Huawei component or some Chinese kind of component. So maybe Huawei now they T. That's fake news. Come on, China doesn't <laughs> manufacture everything for everybody. <laughs> okay, mm -hmm. yeah, that's right. I'm sound sarcastic here for whoever's listening. Yeah, so everything uh, probably they changed their name and now every chip is embedded into something else. So yeah, cool. um, micro style. Yeah. So James. How does Copperhead help to, I guess, counterbalance what Seeb's doing over at the Ifani side? Yeah, no joke. Uh, so I think we're like, he's on one side of the stack and we're on the other side of the stack. So it's kind of synergistic where, um, you know, SIM card attacks are a very realistic and very damaging threat. Uh, you know, Seeb talked about crypto. I mean, open up your news you'll see, you know, 17 year old sim jacking people for $40 million. You know, we didn't have this back in the, I don't know how old anyone is here, but back in the day, maybe $40 million as a 17 year old kid. We didn't have that back then. Right. So these are real, real big threats. And of course, you know, once your crypto is gone, your crypto is gone, but, uh, we protect with the, on the device, we protect, uh, you know, through our operating system, copper Air West, uh, we protect on the application side of things. Uh, we kind of, uh, create the bubble that the SIM card can sit in. Um, now the next question you guys are going to ask me, you know, are SIM card attacks possible on Copperhead OS? Yeah, they are. I'd be lying if I said they are. Um, we don't deal with that side of things. Um, one of the most asked, and I would consider it a troll question at this point would be, you know, do you have a baseband firewall? Uh, that's kind of a meme inside of InfoSec. Uh, you know, can you hack a device remotely with a sting rate? You probably can. Uh, but most of devices, most mobile, uh, breaches, most, uh, data privacy concerns don't fall at that level. Not yet. At least a lot of it is malware downloaded off Google play, remote attacks through the browser on uh, a network attacks. When you, 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 uh, connect to like a pineapple or like a malicious Wi-Fi access point, we protect against all those. So does, does Copperhead replace the Google OS or is it bolted on like, how does Copperhead OS get installed and what's its primary function? Right. That's a great question. So we, we build on top of what is actually the called the Android open source project. Not a lot of people are aware of this, but Google's Android is actually downstream from the Android open source project, which is called AOSP. And so we build off of AOSP, uh, Google Android sits here. They inject all the proprietary kind of, uh, data spying situation components, uh, we build on top of that and sidetrack it. So Copper OS devices currently don't have any access to Google Play. Google has no access to Copper OS. Uh, our devices are very, very stripped down in terms of uh, privacy. Uh, all we see are updates being sent in and out, and that's all the information we have. So, you know, people ask about subpoenas and canaries and stuff like that. That is not a situation for us. We can't do anything. We can't send a malicious operating system update to anybody because we can't target them. We don't know who they are. And also, I mean, we're a legitimate company, right? Afani is a legitimate company. Um, it's a lot harder to, for law enforcement or a criminal network to say, yeah, we're going to target Copperhead OS because they have someone using it and we're going to target all the operating systems because I mean, at that yeah, point, they did that in the UK recently, law enforcement targeted the, uh was it a private messaging application that criminals were using? You're talking about Anon? Get what it was. It was maybe within the last four or five months. I no, Anon is different. Anon was a hardware device. Um, and no, not the one. It wasn't Pixel. 
not the one that the F, not the one that the FBI ran where yeah. maybe it was another one. Yeah. I forget. But so I guess my question going back to Eric's question for for the layman's like me who don't know anything about IT. Am I effectively replacing the Google Droid OS with the Copperhead OS or are they yeah. running on the device at the same time? Yeah, sorry, I sidestepped the question. I just ramble, I guess, all the time. But yeah, I and mean, we've completely replaced uh, the uh, the operating system, so it goes becomes you know Copperhead OS. Okay. And that that's like that's where I see that we definitely need to go if we're trying to you know be secured, right? There's everyone always asks, so what's the best solution, right? And um, you know, and so this is why you know Hasib and, and James like that. Why I mentioned like getting them both together, right? Like this solution, like, especially, you know, James clients and, and, and Ifani's clients, you know, I mean, these are right. I, I mean, we've got to start somewhere, right? So we're running off of just, uh, you know, vanilla Android and vanilla, you know, iOS, right. Just straight out the box. Right. And we have no options. Gen we'll generally have no options unless we mod our devices and, and, I mean, modding the devices are, are going to even open up more holes if you don't know what you're doing, right? So that's a big thing too. Um, so I think this, I mean, we have to get down to the point where we have control over our devices and we can install these custom operating systems that, that literally list out what is stripped from it, right? For your safety, because otherwise it, people are, I mean, I hear people in Clubhouse all the time, like, I got a burner phone. No, you don't. Honestly, not when you, you bought it with a credit card and there were 35,000 yes. cameras that were <laughs> iCloud account. Thank you. That's Thank one. you. Thank you. Even if you that carry I that in your pocket, right? It's not a burner phone. You just, you, you, exactly what you said. But you know what, Jonathan, in, in the defense of the clubhouse, clubhouse people, yeah, they are brilliant. They're the smartest people in the world and they are all experts in cybersecurity. So how dare you question And they're going to sell you a marketing course. Exactly. Oh God! Yes. <laughs> hey, or in that case, they're going to sell you a cybersecurity course oh, how to my. secure yourself in three seconds. Oh. So, so I want to piggyback, and I'm thanks, uh, or sorry, I'm brain fart because there's so many questions I want to ask that I know that may not be very good for this this feed. But um, James, when when we take a look from an infosec aspect, we're we're always complaining about the amount of telemetry that's being sent back to Google and back to Apple. Now, just for clarification, there is no, nothing in production or roadmap for like Copperhead or anybody else to do what you're doing on the iOS platform by nature, because Apple has it so effing locked down that, you know, you can't get a squirrel to fart inside that freaking operating system, right? I don't know if squirrels can fart inside of it. I can't confirm that, but I can tell you that iOS is very secure and it is a double-edged sword, which is like, they are pretty much the baseline for mobile security, which is a great thing. Um, but the problem is you can't open it up. You can't modify it. Right. So we, people don't really get to see what's going on. And like, for example, Shiba talked about the hide my IP, the hide my IP in Safari is probably good for the, the layman, you know, you want to hop on a Safari. Um, and you want to, uh, protect yourself against websites tracking you, but, uh, anyone who's recognized what's happened, what's happened to Apple in the past, 
is they have to favorably respond to lawful interception requests, meaning that you can hide your IP from, you know, Pornhub or whatever website you're going to. But if someone with a subpoena wants to uh, put themselves inside that data stream, they absolutely can. And, Crap. And, uh, and will. And I mean, you know, it's the same thing with iCloud, which is the really big sticking point right now is Apple actually had on the roadmap to have end-to-end encryption of their iCloud accounts. Now, what does that mean? That means you could only access it from the device the iCloud account is using. Uh, law enforcement, who, you know, some of our clients, I don't want to make them upset here, but law enforcement did step on Apple's toes and said, do not implement this because currently the easiest way to retrieve data from an Apple device is not to hack the device, it's to just go to the iCloud account because it's unencrypted. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I do not store or backup any of my text messages to iCloud. And you got a burner phone. No, I don't have a burner phone. From Clubhouse. I got an app for that, man. You, you, go, to, you go to the app store, you download Burner. I think, oh, yeah. Dude, it's untraceable. I mean, right? so what if they're using your credit card? I know. <laughs> it's Burner because it's not registered to me in some shape or form. Yeah. I think you signal, right? You signal a telegram if you're worried about this sort of stuff. I like signal. I've been using it for a long time. Um, back when it was near impossible to make a call that actually connected for more than three seconds. Tech secure, red, red phone. That will point. No, I never used that. Um, that, that's the old signal. That's where you came from. Okay. I use this code as well. This code is pretty good too. Red phone was more for Android than it was for iOS. I think back then. I don't remember, but I mean, they had chat secure or tech secure and then they had red phone and then that merged okay. signal and it was impossible to use. <laughs> it was impossible to use. But, and then there's wicker. Law enforcement yeah. seems to yeah. love Wicker. Yeah, Wicker, that was Wicker that you talked about. Uh, you were asking about the one that law enforcement had access to. Oh, I didn't know, I didn't know Wicker, but yeah, that makes sense. Right. They're, you know, yeah. they're the yeah, biggest Wicker. customer. But no, in the UK, uh, UK police was able to infiltrate a server of one of these secure chat apps, put in a back door, and it was one of these apps that the Kremlin's favored, so... I think that was Wicker. Everything. No, no, it no. was not Wicker. It was Anchor Chat or Sky ECC for sure. And and the thing is, sorry to interrupt you. I'm just going to ramble. No, go for but, it. Um, the problem is, is when you're 99% of your messaging app are used by criminals, trafficking kids. You know, like who cares? Like Dude, that's go for it. You know, yeah. I'm talking. I'm talking about the schmuck who's cheating on his wife. And get that's but they're they're not using that. They're using Signal or they're actually just using text messages. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's not many people are using their official email address. Yeah, I mean, I think the, oh, the Ashley Madison breach showed us that, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and the, the police and the yeah, the Senate people in the down breach. But yeah, I mean, these that UK thing, uh, we, we get that all the time because we've kind of been in this space, you know, there's been major takedowns. Phantom Secure was a big one in Canada, Sky ECC last year, Anchor Chat. Anchor Chat had I think it was Anchor I mean, Chat. I think yeah. I mean, at that point, they're making millions upon millions of dollars a month, right? They're charging almost four grand a year for a stripped down Android version, and law enforcement just went on in. But that's the thing when when you have a service, you know, people ask us to say, "Well, what happens if criminals, you know, use copyright or whatever?" It's, but most of our clients are not criminals, right? And at the end of the day, if the majority of your messaging network, hopefully none of them are, but if if you have a messaging network that is primarily just for criminal use. Law enforcement will and can use anything it wants to take it down. Same thing with this, what happened to the Silk Road. The Silk Road was a drug marketplace that was put on tour back in 2011. You know, you have different, you have spy agencies and you have cyber operators taking it down together. When you 
have that much criminal activity, no one's going to shed a tear for you if you get taken down, right? And, then, and rightfully uh, so, because you deserve yeah. it at that point. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you're, you're, yeah. It's not like the guy cheating on his wife, or some guy's trying to, uh, you know, have a, a subscription to some weird fetish website. It's, it's cartel members trafficking kids, trafficking drugs. You know, talking about hits on people. Like, you know, the Reddit. the best use of something like an Ifani or a Cobred for me is incorporate, right? You, right. you want to get away from industrial espionage and you don't want your competitors finding out what your edge is. So yeah. you're going to, you're going to have protected communications. Yeah. So yeah. sorry, go ahead, Jonathan. No, that that's, uh, um, and I think, uh, and crypto too, right. And, and sure. right. Like that was saying, you know, that's why, uh, and I think this would be a, like there's a lot so me being in the crypto space myself like working for a crypto company a security engineer for a crypto company um you know we we deal specifically with the uh, i mean we have an app right like anyone else you know we have uh you know we have a wallet just like anyone else you know, stored on your phone and um you know everyone is open to um you know these uh sim attacks and um and then the attacks just from from uh, you know third party attacks from other um you know, Android, uh, apps even. Right. So, so that's, that's a really big deal. Um, you know, I don't want to have to carry around a hard wallet or, or, you know, um, a cold wallet everywhere. Right. I, I don't, I don't want that. You might have to, um, the way things keep going. Yeah, I know. And, and that, but that, that's why, you know, a solution like this, right. Like it's, I know that we haven't gotten into the deep of like the technicals on, on how Afani works, but I, I mean, I, I tell you, it is tough. It's, it's, it's like, try to jack that text right i mean that that's that's it's it, i love how it works right so and and you know this is the thing uh if we can if we can have this relationship with the sim uh you know with the sim care you know the carrier right the sim card and then the operating system i think we can get that step closer to having a more secured immobile environment for i mean Everything we, I mean, we, we're seeing it now, like the transacting with, with blockchain. It's just, it's just nuts. It's going to even, it's going to go, you know, it's you gonna know, increase. The problem I see is the number of people that want this is far fewer than the people who care about getting a cheap price on a phone. Look at TVs. The reason they're that cheap is because they are selling your data. They're hot, they're hot mic'd, they're internet connected, and everything you do is sent back to essentially what is a command and control server, parsed, categorized, sold. And that's why a $3,000 TV is now 350 bucks anywhere. Yep. Um, but James, back uh, question for you. What's your business model? How is this thing sold to people? Yeah. So we're, uh, we're, we're business to business. Uh, we focus on the same industries as Ifani, the same target market. Uh, you know, we got a lot of intake. So we would, we got a lot of customer requests. We have some from military. We have some from the intelligence community. We have some from financial. Um, so we sell it as a licensed solution and there's different ways to, to get it. You can have an on-premise solution if you want to have your own signing keys, which is important for compliance, you know, for international militaries or even, uh, NATO militaries, uh, or you can have a licensed solution from us or redeploy it. And again, we don't have any insight into the device data. Uh, but we use our signing keys. We protect it. We provide updates come by like uh, biweekly. And, uh, you know, an interesting use case, for example, just for people listening, they might say, I've never had an application hacked. I don't understand why I need this. 
uh, one of our clients was a, uh, in the UK was a, uh, cosmetic surgery, uh, uh, clinic for very, very high profile celebrities. And they actually got, so they came to us and I said, this is interesting. What do you need us for? Cause I was asked that question. Why not? Right. And they said, well, we got hacked last year and the hackers intended to extort the celebrities because what they would do is they would take the photos of the before and send it to the news, TMZ, whoever else, and say, look what they look like now. And so it's the average person, they think, well, that's crazy. What, who, is that worth any money? That's worth a lot of money. That's worth a lot of money. Oh, and that Daily Mail would pay tremendous yeah, amounts of money for that. Right, exactly. So they came to us and said, this breach is actually mobile. They hacked the phone somehow and they got the photos from our doctors because what happens is their surgeons have to take pictures of the before and after, so they hacked the device now. And what's better than a cell phone camera? Like, I'm not being yeah. facetious here, but yeah. the quality of the picture coming off of these things now is far better than they've yeah. ever been. And everyone's got one, right? So. With both Ifani and Copperhead, because you are what I, what I would consider proprietary and more secure with the end result of limiting access to not only the SIM, but the device, how do you, if at all, play with mobile device management products like a Microsoft Intune jam for any of the 5,000 other yeah. versions of. I can hop on that quick. Um, so we integrate with all mobile device management, uh, platforms. Uh, you know, when we deploy it to a company, obviously we tell them, look, your privacy will be invaded by the MDM company. That's not us. Even on an on-premise network that, you know, just like you're talking about the text storing, text archiving system, the ad lives in MDM, right? They, and a lot of these messaging applications they need to use actually need to store the messages somewhere for compliance purposes, right? So we, we integrate all MDMs. And what's great nowadays is a couple of years ago, it was really hard for mobile device management uh, platforms to integrate with non-Google-fied devices. They relied on Google's APIs to tap into the device. There, there's actually a very big movement now to use non-Google-fied Android. And so MDM is now actually now kind of trending with that, where now you can install an MDM without Google on the device, which is great for us. Cool. Cool. And I can tell you on our side, we integrate with all the MDNs, but the beauty is if you have a funny, you don't need MDN. Because, uh, because we can pretty much block any uh, IP. Uh, so, so if you say, don't allow this app to transmit any data, we can block IP. So one of our largest client, what they have done, they have set up a list of hundred plus websites, only transmit data to this website in this package. So like, if you are sending a WhatsApp, you cannot send a video on WhatsApp, just to give you an example, because the payload is too high. So if you are sending uh, any kind of request to any servers, which are beyond those specific websites, it wouldn't allow you to do so. So if any is there to replace MDNs, we work with MDNs, but our goal is that it should be seamless. We don't want more intrusion and more, um, you know, surveillance on our phones. And I personally believe that's actually bad because an analogy for that MDN actually is someone want to protect you, they live inside your house. What we do is we secure guard your house that no one can come or enter without your permission. So we work on the network side. So yes, someone may be able to send but if someone is unable to send requests or take any requests, they can't do anything. Uh, so that's where we, uh, we come in. How do you deal with Cloudflare IPs and CDNs? So we have our own internal system. And I've said like, you know, uh, we use the regular, uh, filter that companies can produce 
and uh, happy to give you a demo on that too. But it's actually, there's a couple of trade secrets, you know, but other than that, what we can do is like, we can, you can set up like, set up like 10 websites and it would not go beyond that. It's like similar to, uh, you can check the traffic internally as in, uh, on the telecom so they can assess the traffic which is coming in and coming out. It's not just the website, it's also content of the website that goes in and out. You're able to <clears throat> review the, con you're able to do content filtering? We can do that, yeah, for customers. How do, you, how do you do that without packet, without SSL stripping? So we don't control the data. So we give yeah. you, uh, so it's your server. And on your server, you can set up all the, uh, all the policies that you want. Now, is that server, its contents, what is filtering going to be responsive to a subpoena? I uh, know because so we can't get subpoena. So if we get subpoena, we'll just pass on to the client. What do you and mean? You get subpoena? No, so if he gets subpoena, we don't have those content. We just, so like, imagine I got a subpoena and my client is James. So I'll just pass it on to James because oh, James says, so James, he's in Canada. He's like, no, <laughs> oh, well, we have RCMP in Canada. Well, so, I guess my, you know, my question, my question is that we don't, we don't have access to that, right? Because he's holding our, the keys. He's holding the keys. So even if I comes to me, Hasib cannot do anything. But you, you guys said you have content filtering, right? How are you able to determine the content through an SSL uh, stream? It's because pretty, it should be encrypted. Correct. So we, the software does not run on our system. We give oh. you kind of life if you on your server. So the on-premise system does the content filtering and also is able to decrypt, encrypt the traffic to do so. Correct. And we don't have access to that information. So, so, if, that someone, so if someone comes to me, I can say, hey, this is James. I can tell you how much data did he use in the month, but I can't go beyond that. Okay. So now you're hosting this server container, whatever we want to call it, correct? It depends on the customer premises. Like some customers want to hold it on-prem okay. uh, or some customers want to be like a third party, like AWS. So we're essentially but, just proxying everything through that server. Correct. It's your own tunnel that Ifani doesn't have access to. So what we are trying to do is in the future is that we are trying to build a, uh, a movement called old telecom network where we allow anyone to build their own telecom tower, their own antenna, then their own, uh, like more like a pri private LTE system where people are able to just build their own networks, okay. which are totally private, but they also work with external systems too. And frankly, our goal is to hold as less of a data as possible because we don't need the data. Okay. And, but there's some regulatory requirement with FCC and other things that we have to hold on to. Right. And again, we obey by the law and we do not encourage any community to use it. That's why we don't offer our premium services to anyone. Now, the, yeah. Sorry, God. How do you accept payment? Do you accept Bitcoin and cash or cash? Uh, so we never accept cash, but we accept cryptocurrency and we accept wires. Normally 99% of customers pay in wire. Yeah, of course. But that would be a question that you'll have, right? If, if. If people are trying to get around the subpoena lawful interception, they'll try to defer the payment to something that's harder to trace. Now, Bitcoin is easy to trace. You don't know what you're doing, but you know, that is a question. Yeah. I don't know if you know about Bitcoin, but I made one of the largest Bitcoin ATM network in the world. We have, I think 8,000 locations or something. The one in Toronto, the first one in Toronto was installed by us. That's the manager, um, Honey Badger? Uh, no, no, Honey Badger is a friend, but a bit access. Hmm. So we have the largest network. So if you look at any city, uh, we, we were the first ones in every major city. 
Uh, if you see any Bitcoin ATM with like a yellow screen, that's pretty much us. Cool. So, uh, but anyway, so I understand this industry of subpoena really bad, but, uh, but my, my question to us, like basically what we're, we are not allowing people to make criminal activities cheat on their spouses. What we are saying is that, Hey, no one should have access to your data. Well, no, it's about privacy for me, right? Yeah. And I think right. a subpoena is the easiest way for the vast majority of people to understand how much data is available because, you know, they watch the law and order. They're all, you know, right. pouch attorneys and they know everything. Yeah. So uh, it's an easy comparison, which is why I keep going to that. Yeah. So we just say that we keep minimal data and we, we only focus on security. That's why we don't even advertise privacy. We only talk about security that no one should be able to get in, get out of your phone without information. Can you clarify something for me? If sure. Jonathan didn't introduce me to you, could I just come off the street and say, hey, I want to get service from you? Or do I have to be invited, referred? How does So for regular product, if which is SIMSA protection, it's open to everyone. You can go online, you can buy it. Other protection, it's only invite only. Okay. So we have to have qualify a customer because the reason for that is we don't want to get into trouble. And frankly, we have so much demand internally and like, you know, within our customer that we don't have to go far and sell it to other people. The cost itself, um, uh, justify that we do, and we work with, I, I, I'm very clear with you, right? Everyone that we will abide to all the laws. Now, what's the cost of both the birth? So other, other one is $2,500 per year. Okay. Uh, but it includes global roaming and what we are doing right now is we're actually also launching our nodes, uh, which allow you to build your own cell phone tower and within your house, uh, for $500. So that we should be announcing within a week. Okay. So it comes with this awesome, uh, case it's RFID, um, <laughs> black and case. So it's, it's actually pretty, pretty neat, really high quality. Uh, and of course you can store your cards too. I mean, I, I know you can probably purchase this, but it's just a nice plus, you know, that it comes with, uh, some, you know, this is a non-paid, you know, promotion of this product. Yeah. We, <laughs> I gonna, yeah I this is you, a right? non-paid promotion for this. Whenever I asked you, whenever I asked you, they said, how much money are you getting? Oh, those are just, so I can, yeah, yeah I, and I made it clear, right? We don't you have to <laughs> welcome those Jonathan, because <laughs> my, my default thing for all this stuff is enragement equals engagement. Yeah, and exactly. Let it fly. Operating was all about that. Yeah. yeah. So oh. with Ifani, can I, if I wanted to use your service, can I, do I need your SIM or can I use eSIM? Uh, so right now we don't, that's the same app carrier package thing. We don't have it right now. We just specifically for eSIM. Uh, but yes, you can buy online. You can get SIM card online through the regular package. Do that. I, I want the fancy shit, man. I'm special. Uh, so you have to get to a regular SIM first before we can qualify to a second level. It's the invite owner. only and I know sorry? the owner. I, I ain't, I'm not, I know the owner. Let me bypass it. <laughs> uh, man, frankly, like I can't help you out. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, if, no one wants to buy, uh, uh give you yeah. a zero star. I'm just joking. Uh, uh, no, that's your choice. Like, you know, you can do whatever uh, you want to joking. do. Relax. No, no, no. Yeah. We don't, we don't even when, uh, I think Jonathan can testify. We don't say, we say guys, test out our product, say whatever you want, unbiased. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it's that when I first got to, it, I mean, the service is awesome. First off, um, easy setup, right? So when you purchase it, so it comes, it's like, you know, it's like a regular SIM card, 
right? Um, it, you pop it out, you give them, you send them a message on online. You, you, you know, they walk you through everything. Um, it's pretty simple, pretty easy um, process. Um, of course, it's best like your phone should be unlocked. That's the thing, you know. Um, that's that's the best uh, scenario that that you could possibly encounter, right? That is something to note. So, um, if you do have like a carrier lock, I mean, it's. Um, I think you can get around. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, Hasib. Could you? Uh, you can get around the carrier lock, but it's best if it's unlocked. So it depends, right? Like, you know, if you're an AT&T, we can get around, we can put you on AT&T network, but we prefer that phone is unlocked, uh, because the challenge is you can get unlocked when you're on your current service, but when you leave the service, it's very difficult to get it unlocked. So right. I have a question here. If I were to be using Ifani SIM card, the physical piece, yeah. and I use a Verizon eSIM. Yep. I'm still subjected to the backdoor Verizon because of the eSIM. So, so okay. So it, that's that's a little different scenario. Um, I like worst back... case scenarios. Okay, worst case scenarios. But why do you use? Why do you want to use two SIM cards? Why don't you just because I like throwing monkey wrenches. Uh, okay, just had to go there, didn't you? But yeah. but just to be clear, you know that we uh, we we transfer your current number. No, no, uh, yeah. This isn't a question yeah, yeah. specific to Ifani and your service. Yeah. This is like, let's just say there are people who want to run both for yeah, whatever you're... reason, right? And yeah. you're getting the protection of the Ifani sim by not having the plist data uploaded and creating that structural backdoor. But, but what happens when you run both now? Yeah, you're open. Okay. Yeah, you're open because that the eSIM is downloading that PRL data and then executing the XML. I just want to be straight up about it um, because, yeah, that is the scenario. Somebody asked me that actually recently, and um, yeah, you have to if you're running both. If you're running both, um, yeah, you're still open. Okay. And that's that's just how that's how it is. Um, I haven't found a fix yet. Unless I actually had Copperhead OS, then I could actually fix it. Honestly, I could How literally. Would you do that? Uh, so I could actually stop the specific uh, PRL data that's being downloaded, um, and and actually modify it. Basically, I have full root access to the device in in that sense, right? Of course, I don't know if you guys give that at Copperhead OS. Well, no, but I'm sure if I could, if you allow it, it's public. Jonathan and the Shiva. Jonathan can do that shit. Me? Yeah. I'd be like, Jonathan, can you do this for me? Yeah. So I would, what I would, you know, I would, if this, I'm a big corporation, right? And I want to have both. And I would say, hey, James, I, I want you to stop this eSIM, you know, and then you'd make a custom build or something. I don't know, yeah. uh, probably. But, but if, and I showed you exactly why, and then, you know, whatever it is that you get, I, I would need that. I can't, I, I need root access. I need root access to modify this on a normal Android device. Um, otherwise, it's just going to be, you know, we're, we're open. But I need that root access. Um, Can't you just scream sudo at your phone and it opens up? I think so. Only if Siri. Sometimes. Yeah, if uh, Siri. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Jake, is that a uh, stock feature of Copperhead to be able to block the back door from the SIM? Uh, no, like I mentioned, we don't really deal with the SIM, but what Jonathan's talking about is kind of advanced level techniques where, uh, we, we don't grant root access. And that's at one point that was the most asked question. How do I get root on the phone? The answer is you don't, because if you could get root, then someone else can, right? 
But what Jonathan's talking about is he would pull down our source available code and he would mock key or us would modify it so that we would either strip that out. So on built, so when it's built and compiled and deployed, it doesn't exist. Or we'd add some sort of level of uh, blacklist components where we just blacklist it. I think Great. that should be an, a paid add-on feature. Yeah, I, for sure. I, I like what, how many things. I take yeah. royalties just to say, that's your fee, let's go. Yeah. 30% and put it two. into a that's smart way contract. Just like Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. He is my I favorite. think the, I, I think with James, uh, like I absolutely, because one of the problems that we face is that even just the FaceTime thing, it's a small thing. I don't know how people, why people use FaceTime today. That, that's me. But people it's use PC, FaceTime. It's built in. Yeah. And I only people, talk to people who have blue bubbles. <laughs> and people actually want, oh, I would not use service if it doesn't have a FaceTime. Our goal has been to make it as seamless with your, as your current carrier. So one of the challenges that we faced was that uh, with the, some, some two-factor authentication companies, they need data and the SMS would not get delivered because of, you know, they say, oh, you are now based in Costa Rica while you should be in America to receive this text message. Mm -hmm. So I asked them, why would, how would they know that information? Like, think about it. Why would they know that you are, because the previous company was sending that information. So we blocked this. So we do get some kind of these kind of issues and we keep on solving, um, uh, you know, making it as convenient as possible. So when James mentioned that, uh, they don't allow root access because once you allow root access and everything, it becomes, now you doesn't have copperhead anymore and someone may get compromised and tomorrow, oh, he was using copperhead, yeah. you know, right. and, and then, you know, who takes the blame? Copperheads take the blame. Yeah. I'm sorry for talking on your behalf, but like, you know, that's what happened. Like we say, we give you this thing because we can kind of show it. And that's what Apple strategy has been too. They can only assure whatever they have built. So even though it looks bad from optics point of view that they are controlling a lot of stuff, but you don't want Apple devices to go uh, and go bonker than like, you know, people playing around with it because they are able to detect a lot of threats that an average phone, if the phone is open source, uh, it may be uh, very difficult to get. And that's why how many people j jailbreak their phone? I don't know, like 0.01% or how many saying. people? Not in 10 oh, years. Not yeah. And even for rooting the phone, how many people root the phone? Because every time you root the phone, there's someone application that doesn't work out. Okay. So I think we I have just want to. I my phone to work every time. So right. I leave it as it is. That's what we, I prefer too. And that's what I say. If you put in, obviously that's my own thing. If I need, like, you know, people say, oh, can I do this? Oh, just put the same card. Use your current carrier. Use your current uh, telephone number. And nothing changes. That's pretty much about it. This is, so, sorry. Uh, so th this is important, uh, I, I think, to mention. Uh, for why both of these, um, I guess Eric left. Um, uh, so it's important to mention for both both of these, um, you know, Gafani and, and Copperhead OS. Look, all of this information that's being, uh, you know, for, as far as data privacy goes, all the information that's, that's on our devices, uh, VPN data even, is being sent back to servers, right? Um, I've talked about this, I've showed this, I've proven this even with code. Um, and the, um, the big thing to, to understand is as we go into, you know, a metaverse, as we go into, um, this, uh, you know, web, as we're, you know, progressing in web three, uh, let me give you an example, um, just recently. So I, I proved that, you know, the LIDAR is, is constantly scanning, 
on an iPhone, right? So it's constantly scanning your environment and sending those that data back to um, back to Apple servers. Now let's imagine this. Uh, and again, I, I'm going to do the research on an, on an Android, but let's imagine that uh, uh, you know we're we're have you know in in a government office. Um, you know your iPhone is on and it's scanning your entire environment. Okay. Um, well, when you scan an environment, I mean, truly, I don't know if you've ever used the LiDAR on an iPhone before, but you can literally zoom in to your home, your bedroom, like you can see, you can see exactly, um, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like you can literally, it's a 3D world. It looks like a video game, but it looks very, very realistic. Um, and and uh, it, there's an app, um, shoot, I, I, I'll get it here in a second. I'll, I'll check it out uh, that I can, I'll give you that you can use. Um, it's amazing, but all that information's headed out. It's, it's, it's from your device and here it's a free app. You use this free app and then that's it. But the, again, it, it, it's without the app, that LiDAR right uh, on the back of your camera on the back of the phone is constantly on and constantly being triggered and taking that snapshot of your environment. And it knows if it's already taken that image, let's say from your room, if it already, and it has, you know, if, if it's a fruit, it already knows that it's a fruit. If it's a bed, it already knows that it's a bed. And all this is in the code. And I posted it on the Twitter. I've shown the lines of code. I've showed every, shown, you know, it's exactly how this is working. If we don't have these custom operating systems, I mentioned this in, 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 in um, uh, a, a podcast uh, one, one day and I said, are you okay with someone going into your home and sleeping in your child's bed? Because that's how it's working now, right? They can have literally a 3D model of your entire home, like your entire bedroom, and it is realistic. So when you put on those VR goggles, you can know what it's like. You can lay down and in the same spot where that bed would be, and you can look right, and you can look left, and you can look up, and you can literally see everything that's in that room and you will know that person's intimate uh you know um you know spots in the, in that room whatever it is in a way that you've never seen it before but we have to block this and this is why the data privacy is so important this is where we're going i mean people don't care well they already have all my data do they have what kind of sheets are on your child's bed not i think a lot you know, of it is an education problem sure right? yeah. people they don't see what you see. They don't see what Hasib or James saw to make them build an Ifani and a Copperhead, sure. right? They just know whatever they are subjecting themselves to on whichever social media or what have you. And I think one thing we have to uh, talk about privacy is that we have gone digital. There's no way we will become like, okay, you know, unless you start living in rocks, with all the disconnect communication and grow your own everything. If I'm about to. Uh, short of an EMP, <laughs> you're right. Like, you yeah. know, it's just, yeah. we are connected and it is what it is. Uh, so the quality of life will decrease significantly if we try to focus more. But privacy is it's difficult. I fly, my everything is set up. Like, I'll give you a simple example. If Fani uses a courier company and uh, how do we ensure the courier company? Like, I cannot go and physically deliver it to Shiva. Yeah. You know, even if I do have to fly on a plane, which means that there's some bit of information that's being grandfathered, like, you know, pulled into data. What I'm op I think there's always opportunity for interdiction, 
Like, I mean, if someone yeah. wants to get something, they can. Correct. So we just make it difficult and we just say that, why don't we focus on security part rather than privacy part? So like everyone knows Mark Zuckerberg, but no one can get to him because it's secure. You may find his address, but you can't get into his house. So that's the concept behind how we look at things that, yes, your number is my number. One of the numbers I have is like one of the easiest number in America, you know? And it's yes, you like real five, nine or whatever the heck the song is. It's six, uh, three, oh, nine, nine. God damn your code. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, it's easy. Anyone can know it, but no one can get into that. Similar with phones too. I think privacy is, is difficult to sell. It's a very, very expensive to be private. Like house, you know, you can live in a apartment building with like dozen of other building, uh, other tenants, or you can have your own private road and everything expensive, similar to digital too. So just focus on security and just live with whatever we have. I'd like to jump in there, Boswell. I think uh, I'll, I'll politely, uh, respectfully disagree and see. I think privacy is, is security at this point. When we live in the digital age. If the less things that are private about you, the more things that can be used against you. Right. For example, you talked about the house. There are people who register real estate holy trusts as a corporation and that's what their house is under. So now you're protected by corporate registry laws, right? Where they have to find out who the board member is. And maybe the board member of that corporation is another corporation and they start playing the same game as, you know, companies inside of Panama papers and stuff. But what I meant to say, what I mean to say is <clears throat> if you have information out there about you, it's going to be used against you, right? The less out there about you, the better. And now it's hard to deal with data that is out there already, right? And that's probably the thing that I think people's first privacy um, lesson is going to be that they're going to Google their name. They're going to see the high school they went to. They're going to see their, you know, their silly live journal entries they wrote when they're 16. And they're going to go, oh my God, where is this data store? Now look at all the things used against. So I think privacy and security aren't separate things anymore. I think they're intertwined. That's what we feel about things at least, because we understand that, you know, the information used against you, that's, that's a security risk. So you know, when you look at a, sorry, so let's dive down that road. So, I mean, what James was saying, if you ever want a shot, go log back into your old MySpace account and be like, <laughs> oh my God, you know, <laughs> no one but, lets you see that. Exactly. <laughs> but everybody is getting, me and Shiva's talked about this numerous times, you know, We'll take ransomware as a case and I'll pivot back to the topic, but everybody knows about ransomware for the most part. They just don't think it applies to them or it will affect them until they get fucked in the ass by ransomware. You know, everybody knows that Facebook is doing some sort of algorithm. LinkedIn is doing some sort of algorithm. So they get numb to the whole process. I don't know if because they've gotten so numb, because you talk about data mining or stripping of this and, you know, being able to do run these, all of these algorithms, because you're getting more technical than just a 5,000 foot view or 30,000 foot view, they go deer in the headlight and they don't know what the fuck to do. Like, so I don't know. I think people need to be educated. I'm a hundred thousand percent with you. I just don't know the proper way without them just spacing the hell out. I was, I was I think it it's it always goes back to education, but unfortunately, you have to build it first 
the platforms, the Afanis, the Copperheads, to show them why. Because it's easier to show someone why they should use a platform like that to try to explain and teach them why, yeah. I think. That's a good point. Like we have a, we put out a YouTube video showing the connections coming from a Google Android versus a Copperhead. And Google Android connections, it's like 800 a second. And it's, and I mean, a hacker is going to chime in and say, well, you could put as much data in what connection as you want. Yeah, that's cool, man. But you know what we're talking about. We're talking about every time your phone moves from here to here, that's a new connection. That's a new data transfer. Yeah. Right. Well, let me throw this back to the host, maybe Eric and uh, Shiva. What do you think you could build that would teach someone something? I'm an idiot. I can't build shit. Uh, count mine. Wave ma your magic wand. You're as intelligent as Jonathan. Uh, what would you build? Uh, a machine to give people common sense. <laughs> you could build that. You would be a. Billionaire. I mean, look. I mean, I'm I'm in incident response. You know, I talked about it earlier. I'm going through SANS training, and you know, that's you know, I do a lot of pen testing. I do a lot of incident response and stuff like that. I mean, coding and stuff like that. I mean, I'm getting into the sim jacking because of Jonathan, because I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> um. Like I don't even hack on iOS and I know there's a whole big bug bounty crowd and, you know, for iOS and Android hacking and all that stuff, but you know, I'm not even into that world. So I don't know really what to build except for kind of what we're talking about is education and, you know, having folks like you guys on podcasts like this to help educate people and like, look, there is something bigger out here. You know, we're scratching the surface because, again, I don't want to go too deep into the weeds and lose people. And I, I feel that like we got there a little bit, but I know we can go really, really deep and, like, even confuse the shit out of myself and Shiva. But, you know, I think these are the conversations that need to happen. And that way people could be like, hey, James, hey, Habib, hey, Jonathan. I need to know more. This really struck a chord with me. I need to know how to protect myself. How can these things do this? And that's really what we are trying to do here. Well, to go back to James, to go back to your question, to actually give you a serious answer. I'm not the type of person that wants to build something. I'm the type of person that wants to learn as much as I can. So when my clients come to me with a problem or a need, I can say, hey, let's go take a look at this solution here. Like... Haseeb, you said a lot of your clients are celebrities or what have you. Yes, celebrity, C-level executive, and uh, I have lawyer. I have a lot of personal connections in yeah. that realm. I have a lot of business connections in that realm. So now when they tell me they want a more secure communication platform, my default answer has always been, well, just use Signal, use one, you know, Telegram, because that's what's exactly. commercially available, because that's what I knew before this conversation. Still a solid. Now, my answer is going to be, hey, if you're okay giving up the iPhone, go to Ifani. No, sorry, 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 just to be clear. No, you don't have to give up your iPhone. Well, uh, hold on. You got to wait for the answer, though. If you want to give, give up the iPhone, go get your SIM from Ifani. Go get a Droid or some kind of Google piece of shit phone. Call James. Put Copperhead on there. Marry those two, and you're probably going to be in a better position than not. And you signal on top of that, and you're good to go. I mean, if, you know, just have that unified messaging and whatever, yeah, great, fine. But to me, that seems like a more feasible solution for someone who's really worried about 
you know, the Daily Mail or industrial espionage or someone like that getting into their system. I mean, to me, best marketing you guys can get is if Jeff Bezos starts using you after his hacking phone hacking scandal. Hey, mm -hmm. we actually, we confirmed too that, you know, not to gloat, but we did confirm that the vulnerability used against him would not have worked on Copperhead. And that's good for people to understand and know. Because yeah. there are many versions of him that need that type of protection. Exactly. Yeah. That, you know, and the, and the reality is too, you know, I'm going to take myself down a notch now. They might not find a vulnerability in the cop in, in Copperhead, the one they used, but they have enough money and time to look for other one. And that's always what it is. It's always a race against time, a race, a race for resources. Now, I think in terms of education, I think what's really going to blow people's mind. And I talked to uh, Roger from Tor Project about if anyone's familiar with Tor, it's like an anonymous network. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're kind of aligned on this, which is people are really probably only gonna realize how much data is out there about them. And I'm sorry, we're getting a little hokey here, but once AI has become commercially more available and you can have a run a program that takes an hour to grab literally everything ever done on the internet about you, it gives you a picture. That's going to scare people. I hope. You know what's going to make them realize much faster is when they realize how much their data is worth and yeah. they can make money selling it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the promise of Web 3.0, right? You can basically be a product, but at the same time, you make money off it. Um, I think cost of per user on, on Facebook was like $40 or something. Now in America, nothing, but like someone in Asia or uh, like developing the $40 is a lot of money. Uh, if they get paid, they will use it platform more. And I think that's the entire promise of web 3.0. Sorry for the cryptography, <laughs> crypto, uh, economy plug, but why can't you participate in the system that is basically, um, being used by you? Well, right. it's, it's being built by you. Built by you, abused by you. Right. You're a product, but you're also taking advantage of your own data. Facebook just gave, gave everyone a place to put their verbal diarrhea. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and Twitter said it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. When, when you understand what your data is worth to people and how you can monetize your data, then I think yeah. you become dangerous to these companies like a Facebook, a Twitter, or any one of the thousand membership platforms. Yeah. That, that's the, um, I, I think you're right. It, when, when people can finally see why it is that, that share, you know, having all these data points collected on them why it's important and then i think they'll start you know like what let's just say when america starts getting a social credit score or it's you know north america right at, at all like i think that's people are going to say wait a second it's coming and yeah uh i don't think so yeah yes you funny go ahead i think uh, it's coming yeah. and uh facebook's pivot to meta is the beginning stage of that you could could argue we technically already have it with the pandemic situation too. Correct. One, one let make that argument. Yeah. I mean, it's there to a degree, but I think we're going to have a, ch uh, like a version that's going to be almost on par with what they're doing over in China very soon. Uh, no, I think, yeah, I think like, you know, like I'll give you a, like, you know, vaccine passport, like, you know, this is separately, but like that's coming, right? You cannot enter a restaurant if you don't have a specific drug. We already, we already have the yeah. Like, yeah. So like, correct. Same, similar to that. Like, you know, we have. Uh, redlining if you go back and how houses were discriminated uh because of your color of your skin you could not qualify for the same house right. um 
So near neighborhoods in America, technically you cannot buy a house if you are not belong to a specific color. And, uh, or you would not live to a specific neighborhoods if you're not a specific color. Yeah, so, that goes back to the, um, uh, redlining. Built, the government built housing development, the suburbs so, back in the 30s, I think it was. Right. There is social, uh, lining, you know, like admissions to schools and everything. Uh, but again, this is not a political podcast, but other than that. Oh, this podcast is anything you want it to be. That's not the political. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, but anyways, like it is coming. Right. And obviously, um, uh, the people who are vulnerable are being attacked the most, like in SimSwapping, I'll give you example, uh, our cases, if you're a high net celebrity. You know, you basically have a team who can actually protect your data and they can contact us. But if you're an average person who is just getting by, you have no way to ask for help. And no one will care. If you go to law enforcement and say, I lost my $10,000 and that's all I had. No one cares. Literally no one. The FBI just upped it even for ransomware. If it's not more than half a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Go local. But I tell you, even even at seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, they don't give a shit. Well, there are too yeah. many attendants. Again, yeah, they don't have the resources to meet the demand. Unfortunately, yeah. And what what are they going to really do? Anyway, is they going to track down a, a you know a seventy year old Russian kid? It's not going to happen. You know, I I did incident response like Eric was talking about it, and part of the part of our checklist is contact local law enforcement. Right, we have the local hotline, and it'd be like, hey, John, yep, we got another one. Uh, yeah, add it to your 10,000 pile list over there that we're yeah. going to be actually on, right? Yeah. 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 So similar to that, like, you know, how can you basically, um, like I remember when, uh, like we had, uh, big robberies in, in San Francisco a couple of days ago, Yeah, I think last week where people just farmed it to Louis Vuitton store, took everything. Mm-hmm. I think it's not even a crime to still less than a thousand dollars in, in right. spring, yeah. where I am. Uh, uh, so, for $1,000. So, so, so it's, it's stupidity, but again, um, we can rant about it, but this is the system we live in and, uh, we all have to play our roles. That's, that's what I think. Uh, there'll be corporate, like, you know, there'll be competition to find it. There'll be like 10 companies. Like it's better the way that we have competition. People should come in and uh, do a better job at security. You know, I like competition. I do yeah. believe in a zero sum game. However, I think there needs to be a degree of threat intel sharing yeah to help raise some standards which i yeah. know is kind of an oxymoron coming for me but so where's, where's your threat intel feed where is mine yeah i i'm a crowdstrike uh subscriber so we get what we get from them and then i go to twitter man everything's on twitter <laughs> yeah. whether it's true or not it's a whole different story but you know <laughs> you get i just i try to read as much as i can from as many different sources as i can whether i'm agree with them or not, uh, philosophically recorded, recorded futures, some, uh, a platform that I just, I, I just go right to, man. It's amazing. We, um, we've done a few episodes with, uh, John Wetzel, who's mm-hmm. their director of intelligence over there and Alan Liska, who's head of their C-cert. We've done a few episodes with them. We really like them. We got, you know, they're very accommodating yeah. and they really enjoy sharing what they can. Yeah, And if you can read stuff out of the instinct group that they do make public, that's not part of the subscription. I highly recommend that. For sure. Yeah. I, I actually validated, uh, the Pegasus, um, hashes with recorded future. So, which is the one that's actually on, you know, the decompiled Pegasus, um, in my GitHub. 
Okay. Uh, so when VX Underground actually put out the the hashes for Pegasus, I mean, I mean, I know the guys, right? But I have to validate it as well. You know, just can't take someone's word like this is the correct, you know, oh, of course. malware. So I use recorded feature to actually, you know, validate that this is the, truly the the malware. And and uh, it was cool. I had a, I had a call with them actually a couple of days ago. Good. Yeah, good no, guys. they're they're a smart group of people. They understand. They're really doing a good job. Question, I guess my last question for Haseeb and James. I don't know if you can even admit to this. Have you guys found any uh, indicators of compromise for Pegasus on your platforms? Not on ours. Um, no, nothing. James? Uh, we haven't had any reports of it. We've had a lot of people think they have it, but it's never what they think it is. Okay. Uh, we, we direct people to Jonathan's GitHub. There is another, um, open source tool, I think it's called MWCL, something along those lines. And, you know, our, our NGO partners, uh, when the Pegasus drop came out, uh, we, we set them a message stuff, but keep in mind, Pegasus has been around for years and we've been aware of it for years, right? And it's, it's one exploit kit amongst many. And that's the other thing is that, if, uh, you know, to talk about NSO specifically, you know, there was, uh, what was the other one from Italy? I don't know what it's called anymore. There is, there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of offensive security tools that are used in nefarious ways. Right. So, um, but the answer to the question simply, we've not had any reports. If we did, we talk about it because it's frankly quite interesting. I mean, if Pegasus could hack us, uh, we'd like to know about it. We came out with a blog post saying they probably don't. Because at the end of the day, why are you going to hack Copperhead? It's going to cost you know two million dollars to say to hack Copperhead when you can spend twenty thousand to hack the same stuff. That's all unless there's an actual target they're going for. Right. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Super targeted. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, that's it for me, Eric. I don't know if you have anything else for them. No, nah, I'm just going to go upstairs and burn my sheets and move all of my kids' furniture around now. <laughs> <laughs> I love going into into spaces with you, man, because. Uh, you're just super straight up, straightforward. And I remember the last space that we were in, the Twitter space we were in. You were oh god, just, you were telling, you were like, "Look, I'm blunt, I'm straightforward, and you don't know shit. You don't know shit. You don't know shit." And let me tell, I loved that dude. I loved this it. Podcast started in Clubhouse. Yeah, that's what we, you said. Yeah, we would go in there. He and I would just like start shitting on the stupidity in in the MSP market for me and the IR market for him. And we're like, hey, let's just record this and throw it up. And here we are. Um, I guess with that said, uh, Jonathan, Hasib, James, any closing thoughts, arguments, anything? Jonathan, you good? I'm good. Uh, Thanks. If you can make a quick plug, just uh, jam yeah, the floor. And how can people reach out to you and give you yeah. that money? Yeah, that, I love it. Yeah, so find us at copperhead.co. Uh, we provide Copper OS, which works on Google Pixel and soon to be Xiaomi devices. Um, you know, send us an email if you're a business and you're looking to up your mobile's mobility security solution. Get in touch with us. We are flexible and we'll make sure we protect your clients. All right, Habib. Uh, Habib, sorry. Um, yeah, we are a boutique cell phone service. Think about Verizon, but secure. That doesn't tell you data. That's pretty much about it. If you want a better service, come to us. Um, Ifani.com, EFANI.com. Uh, you can call us, you know, and that's what we do. Uh, if you get hacked with your current carriers, you may get a letter of apology. In our case, no, you're insured for $5 million in insurance. So Who's something called uh, yeah, Lloyds of London. 
So if something goes them. wrong. I've heard of them before. I think they Yeah, I think they are okay company. Yeah. <laughs> so so tier one carrier. So you something goes wrong, you're covered. No more I'm sorry for any inconvenience that's cost to you. No. No, you, you give them experience monitoring for a year, even though the rest of the life's affected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't work for like that, right? So uh anyway, so that's what we do. Um and come to us like even if you can't afford or there's some other reasons, talk to us and we'll help you in the right direction. Cool. That's awesome. My personal username is a seabed, like H-A-S-W-E-B on Twitter. So I'm happy. I respond to all the questions. Ladies and gentlemen, and ghouls that are out there on the internet, if you have made it this far, thank you so much for tuning in for yet another episode of AmplifiedAndIntensified.com. You know what? A recent change to the platform. Shiva has put together a new website, AmplifiedAndIntensified.com. If you have heard anything that you have liked about this podcast, and you want to engage Shiva or myself or be able to help sponsor by donating us some coffee. All the links of our calendars, buying us coffee, past episodes of both the podcast and the YouTube version are all now on AmplifiedAndIntensified.com. Go there for all of your needs. Thank you so much. And until next time, take care.